This is the Education Exchange. I am Paul Peterson, Senior Editor of Education Next. Not since the Civil War have Americans fought so intensely over their own history. Did the United States originate in 1776 or 1619? Is America the hope of the world, as Lincoln said, or is it an imperialist power? Has America moved steadily towards a more inclusive, more egalitarian society, or is it dividing into rich and poor? All these questions are being debated by public intellectuals and academics, but American students are turning off and tuning out. College students are choosing computer science and business administration over history and social science. And now we've just learned from the National Assessment of Student Progress, or, or NAEP, as it's called, the nation's report card, we've learned that the performance of eighth graders on the history exam has dropped by nine points since 2014, just over the most recent decade. It's now at the lowest level recorded in the 30 years since the test was first given. And it's not just COVID. Scores were falling just as fast before the pandemic as, as since. So I'm pleased to have with me today former Assistant Secretary of Education, Chester Finn. He's now a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. He's repeatedly warned against falling academic standards in American education. And in his most recent book entitled Assessing the Nation's Report Card, that is the National Assessment of Educational Progress, he says that this is the best yardstick that we have to track how well we're doing. To his friends, Dr. Finn is known as Checker. I'm going to refer to him as that today. So, Checker, thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, Professor Peterson, also known as Paul. <laughs> so, Checker, you have been following the national assessment for, for many years. Uh, what do you think of this latest result uh, on the history tests Uh is this uh, anything other than just the general decline that we're seeing all over the board? No, it's it's that, but it's worse than that. And it isn't just history. The release the other day was history and also civics. And uh, because NAEP, the National Assessment, tests both of those pretty much at the same time in eighth grade. And so we got reports on both subjects for eighth grade from uh, last year, 2022. Um, but it turns out that, and the scores are terrible. I mean, we're talking about uh, less than 20% of kids in the in the range called proficient, and a great majority of kids in the range known as below basic, which is pretty bad. But the declines in both these subjects had actually started before COVID. Um, they had at least started in 2014. Um, and uh, so we can't blame COVID for the whole thing. I'm sure COVID made it worse. But uh, how little our eighth graders know about history and civics uh, has been a problem for, well, forever. Um, and it, it wasn't very good in 2014. It was up a little bit from when they started giving these tests in the, in the, in the, in the, in the sorry, uh, in the late 20th century, uh, 1990s. Um, it was up a little by 2014, but it was pretty bad then, and it's a lot worse now. So it's not a pretty picture. Well, you know, there's been a lot of efforts to erase history. We, we've seen mm -hmm. of Robert E. Lee and Thomas Jefferson go down. We've seen, I just was in Chicago a few weeks ago, and the streets named after Madison, Monroe, and Van Buren were renamed after some contemporary figures. 
to say nothing of the San Francisco school board threatening to retitle schools that once uh, uh, wore the moniker Abraham Lincoln. So are we just trying to cancel our past? There's a lot of that going on in a lot of places. I mean, the renaming is just plain ridiculous. Um, Madison was Madison and Monroe was Monroe. And I understand why people get upset about Robert E. Lee in a lot of places, but he, he's also part of history. Um, but whatever um, Madison and Monroe's failings were, well, you know what they were. Um, canceling the, the parts of the past that we don't like means canceling the past because, of course, the past is full of things we don't like. And if we dwell on those um, and the people that are associated with the things that we now do not like, even if at the time they were taken for granted, uh, which is terrible history, by the way. I mean, no good historian engages in what they call presentism, which is to re reinterpret the past according to today's uh, mores and, 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 and ethics and ideologies. Um, no, this is a history is not being taught. It's not being learned. But there are a lot of other reasons besides the ones you're giving, I think, for this decline, including just plain neglect in the school day of subjects like social studies. I mean, we put all our focus on reading and math scores. So there's no reward for schools or teachers to even pay attention to social studies. So the schools are neglecting them even. And the curriculum is 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 chaotic. And uh, I could go on. There's a lot of reasons why why they're being neglected and undertaught and underlearned. Well, is it maybe is it because Americans are no longer proud of their history? Are, are, you know, we once were thought of as the ugly Americans because we were so self satisfied and proud of ourselves, <laughs> and and the rest of the world sort of thought, oh my, you know, we don't really need those people. Uh, so uh, we, maybe this is a good thing. <laughs> well. I think that that in at the college level, um, the changes within the history curriculum uh, follow along what you were just what you were just saying. Uh, that is to say, uh, if a if a kid in college takes an intro course in U.S. history today, which is less and less likely, um, they will get a course full of, of of shame and and apology and embarrassment rather than pride and, um, and uh, sort of exemplariness. Um, the, but the fact that they're not taking U.S. history in college um, and the fact that it's getting squeezed out in the schools, I don't know that that's because we're not proud of it. I think it's because uh, we're paying a lot more attention to other things and not putting any premium on, on learning these things. I, I would add that if, if, if a subject is taught in a negative and, 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 and embarrassing and, and, and make you feel bad way, maybe you shouldn't take that subject. I mean, maybe nobody wants to sit in a class full of, of gloom and reparations. Well, that's, that could be. And I've also wondered about the internet. You know, to me, uh, I read somewhere that uh, somebody's son came to him and says, you know, we shouldn't learn anything before 1990 because nothing really was important before 1990. And there's a <laughs> sense in which Google has done that because we can do searches for contemporary materials very easily. But learning about what was written in books is much more difficult to access. So we, if stuff that's not written in books, we can access very easily. So young people, when they sort of explore their history, they explore, you know, the last 30 years. 
Right. They explored the things that are publicly available on the screen rather than the things you might have to hold in your lap and read like a book by turning pages. You're right. Um, you're, you're, you're exactly right about that. It's also the case that the Internet has led to a, uh, a you-can-always-look-it-up phenomenon, so why bother to learn anything? Because if you suddenly need a bit of information, you can just Google it. You therefore don't have to have it in your own head. And uh, that's devastating for many subjects, but certainly including in, including history and civics. Uh, I mean, if you uh, don't have any idea the role that Abraham Lincoln played in the uh, story of the United States, you can't just Google it. I mean, nothing that you can Google in, in, in four seconds uh, is going to give you any sense of the role that Lincoln played, even if you Google Abraham Lincoln. I just It just can't be done that way. Well, so, you know, I think fish rots at the head, as they say. And, and so when you look at this problem, I don't think sort of looking at kids is necessarily what's really going on here. It seems to me it's coming from the leadership, the intellectual leadership of the society, the cultural leadership, the political leadership. So what is happening to the leadership of our society that they're letting their past uh, uh, slip away from them? Uh, it's a huge question, and uh, it does it does start at the top. Uh, I mean, uh, if if all people are hearing from uh, national leaders about history is whether or not the 2020 election was stolen, I mean, if that's the the, the argument that they that qualifies as history uh, in their minds and on the television and in their blogs and the things and their things they read and listen to. Um, then, yeah, the national leadership is not talking about, about history. I mean, when's the last time you heard President Biden say anything about history? When's the last time you heard Donald Trump say anything about history except about the 2020 election? And for that matter, uh, the celebrity culture in which we revere um, singers and athletes and so on, uh, they're, as far as I can tell, mostly oblivious to uh, history and, and just about everything else, too, by the way. Uh, so yeah, the 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 it, things do rot from the head, and uh, not just fish. And the head is not paying any attention to the nation's past. And when it does, it it, it engages in the kind of, of argument and, and disputation that you you talked about at the at the beginning. Uh, do we want to uh, focus on the evils of 1619 and the first slaves to arrive, or do we want to focus on? 1776 and the birth of the world's most successful democratic republic. I mean, for Pete's sake, um, if we can't even agree on what's important as adults when we do focus on it, then you can certainly picture um, kids turning off. And you can also picture school people saying, well, you know, this is this is dangerous territory to, to, to even get into. I mean, the governor might 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 suppress us if we teach it. So maybe we'd better just skip the whole thing and, 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 and settle for reading and reading and math and maybe a little bit of science. Yeah, or, you know, or to slide over it. You can't ignore it altogether, but you slide over it. You don't spend too much time on it. I think that, yeah. that going on now, you know, but maybe you know, deep in deep in the core of this issue is slavery. It could, you know, slavery <laughs> is a blot on American history. It is. Mm -hmm something we have to struggle with as a nation to understand our past. All countries have something in their past that's, that, you know, you're not particularly um, want to talk about. 
And, and so uh, maybe we didn't talk about slavery enough and think about it enough, uh, but how do we address that blot in, in our historical understanding? Well, not by, not by overcompensating. I mean, it's certainly true that the kind of history that was being taught in school when you and I were kids was more celebratory. It was kind of great men. Um, it neglected a lot of things. It neglected um, uh, women. It neglected poor folks. It was about uh, um, you know the the ruling class, so to speak, over the over the centuries and the great things they did, um, and uh, the wars they won and the things they invented and the uh, fortunes that they made and so forth. So yeah, we neglected a lot of stuff, and yes, uh, we we in the old fashioned history did underplay. Uh, a bunch of things, but slavery is probably most prominent among them. But y you don't solve that problem by overcompensating and becoming completely obsessed with race and, and reparations and nothing else. Um, you've got to fit it into the what, what, I, what I just think of as, as, as tell the whole story, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the, uh, the, the achievements and the, and the omissions and the errors. And um, it's a big story. You can't just do it in uh, one 11th grade U.S. history course for 47 minutes a day. Uh, it's a big story. It's a very important story, and it, it should be taught in, in completely and without without bias. I mean, you got there are a bunch of issues where you have to teach uh, multiple sides of something. A classic example, you know, was Truman right to drop the atomic bomb on on on, on two Japanese cities? You can argue both sides of that one, and kids should probably understand the argument. Um, I don't think you can argue that slavery was ever a good thing. Uh, you certainly can explain why it was part of the economy of a large chunk of the United States for a very long time. It doesn't make it right. It does make it maybe more intelligible as to why it happened. Right. And of course, you also, uh, in the case of the slavery question, have to understand that uh, historically across all cultures, slavery was pervasive until the say 17th or 18th century. I mean, you, you really 19th yes. century is the century where many, uh, many nations escaped from slavery. And we are about, you know, one of the last to, to emerge from slavery. And that is- uh, that's, that's right. That's one of our embarrassments, but, uh, but it's, uh, but it's not like we were unique in having no, no. That's culture. exactly right, and you can you can even point to some places today where where virtual slavery is still existing in various forms. But uh, without even going there, you're right about the the history lesson. It, this was widespread, and we were late, and uh, and um, it's full of things that, in retrospect, we wish hadn't happened. Uh, but that doesn't mean you stop teaching it. It means you teach about it, but you don't teach only about that. You also teach about the, the you know, they fought a civil war over this, and 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 the and and what what was the aftermath of that? And it goes on and on into a whole bunch of topics that kids should understand. So, what's the price that we pay for losing our history or not understanding our history? What do you think, I mean, you, you say there's a connection between history and our uh, civics uh, lessons, which are the students don't understand what our government's, uh, how it's organized, how it's structured, what the relationships are between uh, leaders and led and, and so forth. So uh, what do you see well, as the price we pay? Well, there's, 
there's a short-term price and, and there's a long-term price, and they and they they do connect. The short-term price is you can't even make sense out of what's going on today without a lot of history behind you. Um, you can't understand, on the one hand, you know what is the national debt, and have we ever had a national debt crisis before, and how have we resolved them in the past? Um, you can't understand why is a commission in California voting to pay quite a lot of money in reparations for slavery if you don't understand about slavery. Uh, you can't understand uh, uh, what the state of the Republican Party today if you don't understand where it came from. It was once upon a time the party of Lincoln. Lincoln freed the slaves. I mean, let's come on. There's a lot of stuff today you can't understand without without the context, without without the past. But there's long-term damage as well. If you don't understand the the fundamental institutional arrangements and how they have evolved over time, uh, how can you possibly pre prepare your own kids to be competent voters in the year 2050, for example? You can't even explain to them why we vote or um, how this, how how anything works, or uh, uh, why is it that uh, Wyoming has the same number of senators as Texas? Uh, the, the, the things are mysterious if you don't know history, uh, and they make no sense, and you can't uh, do a good job in the future either. So, you know, one of the things that's happened this past year that is really the history of our time is the Ukrainian people uh, led by Vladimir uh, Zelensky? Uh, they have they have heroically resisted Russian aggression, and uh, and Zelensky has emerged as a hero that reminds me of George Washington. I, I expected that event to inspire in the American public a pride in their past and their history, uh, just because they're seeing an example of it uh, reenacted before their very eyes. But I haven't seen that. And, and I'm wondering. Uh, well, you haven't partly because when you see a panel of six, six talking heads on the on the on the television talking about Ukraine, you probably have never heard any of them say. So what do you make of Zelensky? Is, is he the George Washington of Ukraine? Uh, is he the Abraham Lincoln of Ukraine? I mean, uh, what are, are, are there is there anybody in our own past that resembles Zelensky? I haven't heard anybody say that when we have these endless hours of talking heads on endless cable stations. Well, so that is the question now. Has, has, is television, is the internet, is that what we're really concerned about? The, the communication systems that we have created that seem to cover every instant of our lives, but doesn't ever understand or go into any depth and in uh, any aspect of it. Do, is, because everybody's living in the present, and um, and that means that they might take some context for granted when they talk about it. Some some broadcasters, for example, uh, have themselves internalized some of the past, and and uh, when they present the present, but they don't talk about it. Uh, and so everybody's living in the present. Uh, everybody's living in the same twenty-four hour news cycle or twenty-four minute news cycle. Um, everybody's looking at their phones rather than at their history books. Uh, yeah, you're right. The communication system has um, caused us, blind, blinded us, I think it's fair to say, uh, to where anything came from or what anything how, how, how anything worked yesterday or why did things turn into what they've turned into as opposed to just dealing with the present, which is, I think, what people are doing if they're doing anything.
So what do we do about this? How do we move forward? What's the, what are the first steps? Well, for me, the first steps are for the elementary secondary school system to take history and civics seriously. And that means having teachers that, uh, that, that, that understand the subject matter, requiring kids to learn it before they can graduate, uh, holding schools accountable for whether they teach it, having curricula that are the quality curricula that are balanced with the, the good, the bad, and the, and the medium all presented. Uh, I think there are a bunch of things we could start with in the K-12 system, but it would also help if, if any college in the country required you to demonstrate that you know some history before you're admitted. And it would be even better if any college in the country required you to study a year of American history in order to get a bachelor's degree. I'm not aware that any does unless you're majoring in history, which is a disappearing fraction, as you mentioned, because everyone's doing computer computer science. So, yeah. I actually saw a, a figure on that. 18% of our colleges do require a course in American history, uh, but only 18%. So that means 82% of our four-year colleges do not require a course. And that does, and none of the leading colleges do. So, you know, one might say that the leadership has to come from our Ivy League colleges, our prestige colleges, the colleges that are saying, this is what you need to learn. And historically speaking, that's been what's happened. You know, the the mm-hmm. institutions that that shape our society, you know, it, it 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 then has a pervasive effect. I don't think you can solve this problem from the bottom up. You've got to solve it by really changing our major institutions and how they operate. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that. I'm going to I'm going to continue to push on the K-12 system also. But you're right about the elite institutions across across the whole culture. Um, to show you how desperate I am, I'm actually slightly encouraged by your 18% figure in colleges. I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, I, I sort of feel the 18% are the leftovers from a past rather than the cutting edge of the future. I fear that's true. I fear that is true. And um, 82% of them will require a course in introductory robotics instead. You know, I, I hate to end on a on a on a on a low note. So I've got it. We got to figure out: is there's any good news in in this? Um. Well, the good news is that in a lot of a lot of groups and organizations around the country are 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 upset and alarmed um, about the the civic and historical problem that the country is facing, not just the schools. And so there's a lot of a lot of agitation on this front. Some of it good, some of it bad. Uh, I mean, you see governors and legislators passing some some stupid laws um, in this realm, but you, but you see them paying attention to it, uh, and uh, uh, and you see a civics bee that is uh, for among ki- school kids that is getting more and more attention um, in city after city. Competitive thing, you know, like the spelling bee or the math bee or the uh, geography bee, um, and so there's some. So there's some modest good news um, in the attention that this problem is finally getting after uh, decades of obliviousness. Uh, I'll take that as a smidgen of good news. Well, that's that is a, a point, uh, and you're starting to see some organizations and groups out there who are are saying, you know what, we we need to attend to this problem. We need to help our country, our people 
our next generation understand the importance of their institutions they need to value the institutions that have created the liberties and freedoms that we all enjoy. And maybe if we can appeal to some of our basic cultural values, we can restore our uh, faith in our past and uh, our knowledge of our past. Well, I'm with you. And um, a number of friends and colleagues are with you. And a number of, of uh, people and organizations are at least putting this on their agenda of problems that need solving. And um, as and as we stop worrying all the time about about COVID, uh, maybe we can some pay some attention to this one. Well, thank you for joining me today on the Education Exchange Checker. It's always a pleasure, and uh, let's go solve this problem as best we can. Well, I've been speaking with Chester Finn. He's the former Secretary of Education and a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford University. He is the author of a recently released book entitled. Assessing the Nation's Report Card. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. We release a new podcast on the Education Next website every Monday at noon, Eastern Time. Thank you for joining me.